Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. When I realized I needed to turn my holiday into more of a boot camp. When on the second day camping, I thought I'd have a fun idea. We'd put a hammock across this little stream. Sounds great. And 40 degree heat and the hammock touches the water. The whole idea in my head was incredible. Rion got in his hammock and it was perfect. It was like made for the movies. I got in my hammock and slowly I just heard this creak, creak until the tree fell in the river next to me and I realized I needed to run a little bit more. As I pulled this tree over in the middle of the Cedarburg, I apologized to the tree lovers. I'll try not to do that again. I'll I'll work harder. I promise you. We had lots of fun on holiday. I wait for my wife to not come with, and then we do things like go on a foofy slide, and my four-year-old did a foofy slide. It was awesome. It's incredible. Until he got all the way, and the water was supposed to slow you down. Like the bigger people, the water slows you down, but he just didn't have the weight on him, so I hit the stopper, and he bounced along the water. On his back, it was amazing. I wish we got it on video. Um, Wouldn't have happened if my wife was there. We did another one. She wasn't there as well. Went to a place called Harkat. Have you been to Harkat, which is in Sundrift? Yeah, I I don't know. It's that place. And there's like this 11, 12-meter drop off a cliff. There's this guy standing on there. His name's Brad. And we all found his name because he just stood there, kept looking over, dropping bricks, working out if he could jump. And he just couldn't jump. So my, my newly uh, nine-year-old, who just turned nine, he walks up and he's about this high on the guy. He says, come on, Brad. He walks to the end and just jumps off the edge. And I'm like, my heart's going, everything's going. Candace wasn't there again, just coincidence. And, um, and uh, very good parenting. And um, then Rion turns to me because he's there with me. He says, um, there comes a day when your children will do things you can't. So I said, not today, but, <laughs> and I got up, I walked past Brad, looking like the man, thinking I'm dying inside. I hate this. This is the worst thing in the world. Who would do this? I closed my eyes, and I literally just jumped whatever happened, just because my nine-year-old's not going to do things I can't do yet. <laughs> it is far too soon for that, and um, we uh, had a whole bunch of fun, but it is really amazing to be back and, and to be straight back in. And into exciting times in the life of the church where we are fasting, we are contending, and we are calling on God. And um, today, as we are between series, I just want to say well done to the marketplace guys. And um, as Quinton rightly points out, the, the elders who actually work. That's what he said last week. As opposed to Gabe and myself. Which, it's just different. We don't work. Just, yeah, no, it's right. And, um, but... Uh, if you're in the marketplace, you haven't been around, and, and you're looking for vision for work, and you're looking for a vision as to why you spend nine hours a day, eight hours a day, however long your day is in the marketplace, and what God has called you to there and be a part of there, I'd really encourage you to listen to some of those preachers, and I'm um, really exciting, and we are going to be kicking off a new series next week, but we wanted to take a day just to encourage the church, and today is called Seek First. And it's a one-off preach, and it's partly to do with the fast, partly just to do with our appetites and our lifestyles and what God's called us to. But I would love to do a couple of things. Maybe you're here and you heard the word fast, and you thought that's for those weird kind of Christians, those like weirdos, you know? 
Those very serious guys, they take life very seriously. They have no fun. They like, and, and, and everyone knows they do it to control their weight, actually, behind the scenes. Everyone knows. Now, I want to inspire you that actually, if you've never taken up the call to fast, whether it's for one day or two days or whatever it is, that there's unbelievable potential when we answer God's call to some big things. Fasting is a big thing. Like Quinton, I really enjoy food. I really enjoy the process of eating. I enjoy making it. I enjoy eating it. I enjoy everything about it. And yet I know over the years, God has done so many amazing things when we have answered this call to fast as communities together. I want to encourage those who have fasted before and maybe you've done it before, that actually we make the most of every opportunity. Young and old, new believer, old believer, no one's discounted from this of taking a hold of God and taking Him at His word and taking Him at the promises that He has for us. And challenge those to, to say, actually, if, you, if you've got mindset that you're definitely not going to do it, I would challenge you take a, to even take up one day. If that's a big challenge to you in a big moment, take up one day and say, God, I'm going to trust you. But that's my job today. And uh, I don't normally um, t- speak around fasting for this, but I understand and I know that fasting is intimidating for many. It's just like this big thing that other people do or those Christians. But I'm also excited and expectant because I've heard stories like Andrew Farrain so many times when community fast. So many times of breakthroughs and barren wombs, life finding their way in because community took their God seriously. And actually, as we speak today, it's not so much about fasting. It's just about seeking first. First. In the midst of a busy year, seeking first. In the midst of being daunted by a whole bunch of stuff. You see, we live in a world of options. There's a million things that take our time. A million things that take our energy. A million things that take our attention. And if you're like me and you go to the computer to check for one thing, next minute you're reading uh, rugby results, next minute you're watching cricket, next minute you're on Gumtree just checking in case there's a deal, like a deal. I enjoy a deal. So I'm on Gumtree and I look for a deal. It's all these distractions. And yet the gospel calls us and challenges our easy, distracted reality to get focused And that scripture, but seek first the kingdom of God, to put the kingdom of God first in our lives. I was, uh, my wife was scared, probably more scared than me as I was talking to someone the other day and mid-sentence, I just stopped, started speaking about something totally else. And then she looked at me and said, you just changed direction. As the two people I was talking to looked at me like very confused. I was like, oh, it's far too early for that. (laughs) Let's get back to what we're talking about. We are easily distracted. Or is it just me? Anyone else? With me. Anyway, okay. Good, good. Good thing you weren't distracted there. But I love this psalm, Psalm 63. It's probably one of my favorite psalms. It's a psalm of David, who is king at the time. And he writes this, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. We know about that. I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. Why is this challenging to me and why is it challenging to you? It's because in almost every conversation we have with someone, whether it's us speaking or they're speaking, there is this challenge. Life is busy. Life is busy. It's crazy, crazy busy. Just this week, it kicked off. Um, some of you kicked off back in the marketplace and financial year ends coming at the end of Feb and you've got to drive the sales and you're driving targets and you're in meetings and there's a whole bunch of busyness happening. It's busy. 
No one's denying that. And you're back in the office and there's all the usual energy burning that you didn't have at the end of November, but you have now, so now you're going to take over the world. I mean, this is the year. Come on. Thank you, Louise. If you haven't met Louise, you should meet her. She's right in the middle. And... Um, but then the parents get to school, and it's like back to school week. And part of you is like, oh, they're back to school. Then you realize you've got to cover 37 books per child every night for the whole week. And, the, and I mean, the, the, we even got to our fridge, and our nine-year-old puts reminders on the fridge, please cover all my books. I have a camp in March. You need to sign the form. There's like a thing on the fridge. I'm like, who are you? You're like a little person. We do that. We'll tell you what we will do and wrap. And, and it's like there's extra murals and sports. And then every day, my new grade one kid comes home. Like, I want to be a tennis player. Next day. I want to be a cricketer. Next day. I want to be a hockey player. Like, what do you want to do, but? I can't. We can't do all of them. We can't. Life is busy and it kicks off. And then, and then it's, it's obviously year of the athlete. As you've heard, if you didn't hear, this is the year of the athlete. So that takes a bit of time. You've got to squeeze in a bit of exercise and squeeze in a bit of focus, squeeze in a bit of picking your spinach from the garden so you can have your spinach smoothie in the morning. All those things take time. And then they just add, and then there's a whole bunch of New Year's resolutions. I'm going to go to bed earlier. Oh, but you want to do more. In the, no, but you're still going to go to bed earlier. And you're going to rest really well and have nothing on your mind. You're going to read a whole bunch of books. Like all of them in January. You're going to read 17 books in January. All the books you didn't read for 2016, 2015, 24, you're going to read by the end of January. I know it's just me, but um, there's a whole bunch of things that kick in. You're going to live life. You're going to plan better. So it's busy. And then the crazy pastor does something like call a fast. I mean my word. How inconsiderate. He's obviously not been in the marketplace for far too long. Help that guy someone. I mean, where were the elders? What were they thinking that in the busyness of all of this to call a fast? Well, this guy, David, who wrote this psalm at the time was a king of a nation. At this time, he has his enemy, Absalom, chasing after him. And he is hiding and running after, trying to stay alive. Plus, lead his people, plus make sure that he doesn't die in the process. And his cry is, in a dry land... I long for you. My soul yearns for you. I seek, I earnestly, I seek you. Not earnestly, I seek a solution for this enemy that's chasing me. Not earnestly, I seek a bottom line answer. Not earnestly, anything else. Earnestly, I seek you. It's challenging me because I don't think I was as busy as David. I really don't. I'm not a king of a nation. I'm not ruling a nation. I'm not running from an enemy just yet. Uh, it's all this stuff is going on in his world. And yet right at the front of center of his life, he calls him to earnestly seek God. And it's challenging to me because I make so many excuses and, and I find so many things to take my attention. And he writes, my whole being longs for you. A king. He had a whole bunch of things that could satisfy his being, and yet he writes, my whole being longs for you. It's very challenging to me. It's something, there's this treasure worth seeking out. Jesus speaking, Matthew 13, says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. 
There's many ways you could look at that scripture, but one I thought about yesterday, he finds this treasure in a field, so he hides it again, goes and raises the money to buy that field. Why? I think because he thought maybe there's a whole bunch of more treasure in that field, and maybe if he buys the land, he can search out the treasure, he can seek out the treasure. There is a pursuing, there is a journey, there is something to be done. Searching and seeking are who we are. I believe every person, whether you believe in Jesus or you don't, whether you've made a decision to follow Jesus or you don't, you're on a seeking journey of some kind. And maybe it lands you in church at the beginning of the year, or maybe it lands you in a sports club and you're going to take up gym and virgin active cells go through the roof. Maybe it lands you in a, in a psychic's office. Maybe it lands you somewhere. Every person in this world is designed to be on a seeking journey because like David, they are seeking earnestly to know God and ultimately to know themselves. And in that journey, as people go on their respective journeys, our jobs as believers or to those who are pursuing Jesus is to make sure that our searching is focused with energy and effort. I lost this wedding ring once. I was surfing with a mate and um, wedding, marriage was new to me. It was like six months in. I, was, I would play with my ring and uh, I took it off. Just, I don't know why. And we were in the surf in, in um, Natal and I dropped it. Just like dropped it. I saw it go down and I dived and my mate who was next to me, he dived and it was gone. And we're looking and I was searching and after about five, two, three minutes, I don't know, five minutes, he kind of went off and said, sorry, but I think that's gone. He went and surfed because the waves were really good. And um, I dived and I dived and I went down and down and down again. I kept diving because this was my wedding ring. It was more than a precious metal. It's something that my wife gave me on a specific day with a specific moment and promises attached. It's important. I want to give it effort. So I was searching and I was seeking and kept going down. And my mate paddled back over to me about 20 minutes later. I was exhausted. I was a little bit exasperated. My, my body was longing for liquid I could actually drink rather than just swimming. Only for him to walk out, to paddle over to me and say, this ring, but He literally grabbed it as I dropped it kept it on him, went and paddled for 20 minutes, came back to me and said, is this one? Good friends. Good. Why do you think I left Durban? <laughs> Honestly, who needs enemies? And, uh, but I, I remember the frantic nature of searching for that wedding ring in the surf and going down and being tumbled by the waves and not giving up. There's something of the seeking, the pursuing, and it's an aggressive taking a hold of that this psalmist, David, is calling us to. This king, David, is calling us to. It's not a passive activity. I'm seeking you. I've met those guys. I'm seeking a wife over here. In my corner, she will find me. Um, but I'm not sure that's the greatest strategy. It hasn't really worked for me. No, no. I'm seeking a wife in the corner. Yeah, okay. Um, let's get you out of the corner. There's a whole bunch of, I, I, I get a little frantic when I'm searching. Again, we went camping. It was a little bit frantic. Unpacked everything, thought I was a king until I realized I left all the mattresses at home. Like all of them. They were in one box. All of them. And I knew I'd left them at home. It didn't stop me searching though. I, that trailer got turned inside out. I looked, it's hiding. I looked again, maybe it's there. Not there in the video. 
but I frantically search for something. And I'm just trying to, to seek God is to set your mind and your heart on a journey to search Him out. Colossians speaks this, says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Seek God and set your mind on things that are above. Where's your mind right now? What's consumed your mind this week at the start of a year? What's consumed? Is it a boss's demands, a target that's not met? What's consuming your mind? Discovery points. Got to get my discovery points. I'm amazed as I sit with people, what consumes people's minds? The opinion of a man, a mentor, a father. Consuming minds. Actually, the Bible says that the journey for the believer is to set your mind. You've got to reset your mind. On things above. See, our minds don't default to things above. Our minds default to the things very much on this earth. They default to fears. They default to anxieties. They default to our failures. They default to all these reminders that keep coming. And the Bible says, actually, I want you to set. And what you probably need to do is reset your mind on things above. What is Jesus saying to you at this time? And the only way to do that is to seek Him and to focus on Him. And, uh, I love David's story, just some, some of his journey of seeking this king. In Psalm 9, verse 10, he says, Those who know your, your name trust in you, Lord, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. This is either the word of God or it's not. I choose to believe it is. And the word of God says, actually, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. And you, Finrain, never forsaken you. Psalm 10, in his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. I realize at times, in my self-sufficiency and our self-navigation of life, the kingdom first dynamic in my life often slips back. Why? Because actually I get proud that I can pull this thing off myself and I've got to be reminded by the word of God and I'll be reminded by circumstances, situation that I'm designed to seek him. I'm designed to call and I'm designed for my, my very being to long for him. And so are you. If a king can write that, then we need to be challenged. It says actually in Psalm 34, it says, The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Lack no good thing. Where in our seeking list does God come? Seeking a wife. Uh, you've got to be careful when you type things into Google, when you want to help with your preach. I, look, I typed in man seeking God, and I got all sorts of man seeking this and man seeking all sorts of interesting and exotic answers. Got to be careful. Because man is seeking, and they are seeking all the wrong things. Seeking a fun time with no strings attached. Seeking a quick buck where it won't have any implications, and no, it'll, it'll be an easy win. Man is seeking and crying out, and we as believers are called. We don't, our seeking journey doesn't stop at the minute we receive our salvation. Our seeking journey continues because our appetite is only increased, because we have tasted and we have seen, and our being longs for Him. Jesus, the lover of our souls. 
And in Matthew 6, 5, 6, and 7, there's the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus speaking, saying, actually, I want to get deep into your hearts. I want to present you a different way of living completely. And he presents the sermon, and he actually mentions fasting. I want to read a few scriptures from that and read a scripture after that. In Matthew 6, he says this, when you fast, I just want to highlight that, when you fast. (laughs) It's not the pastor's fault, don't get grumpy with me. Someone actually said to me last week before we announced the fast, they said, oh, you've just gone on leave. Yeah, I suppose we're fasting now. Why? No, you always go on leave, we come back, and now we have to fast. (laughs) Sorry, I apologize. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. This is Jesus. I didn't make this stuff up. He's like, I've seen you, you grumpy O's. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. That's going to be a challenge for some of us. So now that you might not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to the Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. The message puts it this way. When you practice some appetite-denying discipline to better concentrate on God. When I'm fasting, I'm practicing an appetite-denying discipline that allows and enables me to better concentrate on God. That's all I'm doing. I'm not beating my body into submission. I'm not shaking a habit. I'm giving focus and attention to my journey with God. He says, don't make a production out of it. It might turn you into a small-time celebrity, but it won't make you a saint. If you go into training inwardly, act normally, act normally, outwardly. Normal, outwardly. Shampoo and comb your hair, brush your teeth, wash your face. Again, a challenge for my children sometimes. God doesn't require attention getting devices. He won't overlook what you're doing. He'll reward you well. A couple of things about fasting. It's actually not about the sacrifice. It's about what you do with your attention and energy and fix your eyes on Jesus. It is otherworldly and weird, and people will think so. I used to go to, uh, I was in marketing for 10 years in, a, in that environment. They love eating lunches and fancy foods, and you sit there like, you're hungry? Mm, no. Meanwhile, I'm lying, and they can see it. I'm hungry. So I know the realities of that thing, and I'm telling you on the other side of that, there is a gospel reward and a God reward. I would say invest in your relation with God this time. And do you know what happens? Day one of fasting, I'm not the happiest guy in the world. I've grown to enjoy coffee. I've grown to enjoy food. And actually, I get a bit of a headache, and it's part of it. And you realize, actually, how many of these drivers drive us, and, con- and our emotions are dictated, well, I'm feeling a bit grumpy. Let me have a bit of sugar. Let me have a coffee. But actually, we aren't designed to be reliant on any of those things for our satisfaction, for our sufficiency, and for our joy. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. Invest in those things and invest your time that you usually spend making food with God. Why don't you do that? Uh, That's what we do. You can't stop everything in life. Everyone's working. Everyone's carrying on. We've got meetings and people to see. But actually, there is time that comes available. Invest it wisely. And take time to focus on Jesus. Take time to give energy. And you know what? If you need to cancel some unnecessary things that are optionals, be it in the evenings or the mornings, to enable you to fast, I would highly recommend you do that. I remember telling people how strong I was feeling in a 10-day soup fast. The only problem with the way I did the fast was my parents went around, so I ate no cup of soup. It's not very good for you 
after like eight, nine days. And then I went and played an all-day cricket match. And I was playing wiki-keeper in Durban Sun, going up and down all day, thinking, this is great, feeling fine. Until I went up once and then fell down, fell over. I was just lying there. So <laughs> you're right. I'm fine. I had to be carried off a cricket field. Doesn't happen often. <laughs> Generally when you're batting. But, um, but I would also encourage you, if you're a family, make it a family deal. Take your kids on gospel journeys. And I, don't starve your kids. It's not what the pastor is saying. But we do things like actually no TV for three days. Some privileges actually come away. Take them on a gospel story and tell them the potential of them. Tell them actually they're people crying out for jobs and that's why we're praying. And your prayers are important because there's no junior God for you. Tell them that there's a faith story for them. Take them with you on the journey. Make it a family deal. And again, just to say we're not mandating just some points around the fast. Maybe you're visiting today and think, I can't wait to get out of here. It's okay. Free water on the way out. And... Um, but, but we're not mandating what the fast is. Many people will be fasting on water for three days, and you will be fine if you drink lots and lots of water. Other people will be doing a liquid fast, which essentially is um, kind of soups or something, not generally a liquidized chicken, um, more of a, a liquid um, like soup or something good that sustains you during the day. You can drink lots of water still and look after yourself. But actually, there is a self-denying discipline that's helpful for us. So he continues and he says in verse 28 of chapter 6, he says, And why do you, not, do you worry about clothes? This is Jesus. Why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. The message again says this of just that one scripture, verse 33, steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. Give your entire attention to what God is doing now. Three quick points and we're done. I apologize. The aircon's a little bit nice. They are being serviced this week. We've had a bit of an issue, so we're getting them serviced. So if you're a little bit hot, I can see some ladies doing the fan thing. It's all good. Actually, Kent, could you come and stand here and just fan me? Be really nice. There we are. Okay. No. First one is this, as we fast, first one is this, as we seek to put God first in our lives, because I trust that's why you're here, not ticking box on a Sunday, but seeking God, is this, don't worry, be happy. No, that's a good song. My point is don't worry. It's not my suggestion. It's not, it's actually a biblical man that says do not worry. It's actually a command. Now, I know anxiety is a thing and it's a real thing, but actually a lot of it is undisciplined thinking by not setting our minds on Him as we allow undisciplined thoughts to take a hold and we feed those undisciplined thoughts with experiences of the past rather than who Jesus is, with our experiences of circumstance situations rather than what He has said and what He has promised. That's what the Bible is. That's how we apply the Bible in our lives. 
The Bible is not something that we pep each other up with with a hashtag and a message. The Bible is the thing we take to our deepest fears, concerns, and insecurities, and we say, God, who are you in the light of this? And Matthew 6 says this, But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light, you think you have actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters. He's talking about money in this situation. Now, just after he's talked about fasting. For you will hate... Hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Can all your worries... Add a single moment to your life. Can all your worries? Do I have worries? I've got worries. Start thinking about kids getting older. All of a sudden, kids are getting older in school, and they're going to need education funds. You go, well, I don't have that, and I I don't have this, and I, I don't have that. And you can get yourself so worked up. Oh, actually, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus to my children? He's more committed to them than I ever could be. And he's more committed to yours than you ever could be. He's more committed to you than you could ever know. Not my words, Jesus' words. And he's saying, actually, who of you has ever added a day to your life? Where have you ever sat with someone late in their years, just before death, and they've gone, oh, I wish I'd worried more. I, I mean, I really, I really wish I'd just spend more time in my life worrying about the things that never happened. And he's addressing us in his corner. He says, you spend so much time and energy on these areas. And Jesus is presenting in, the, in, the, in this uh, Sermon on the Mount a new way of living, but a life fueled by love, a life fueled by passion, a life fueled by belief that changes our actions, a life fueled by his grace and his goodness, and a life fueled by the promises and the faithfulness of a faithful God. Not just do this, do this. He's saying, I want to get deep inside. I want to challenge everything that there's not just life after death, that there is life in this life. And I want you to resource it. I want you to plug into that system. His challenge is that our eternal reality has to break into our everyday living. That is working important, sure. Is succeeding important, sure. Is hitting targets important, sure. Is providing for our families important, 100%. But about worrying about them, Can it add anything to my life? Can it pull me on the answer? He leaves it hanging, but we know the answer. It's no. In the Sermon of the Mount, Jesus is dealing with our thought life as much as our outward life. God wants to deal with anxieties. By putting Jesus first, our anxieties have to take second place. They don't fall away and the realities of life don't disappear. But we put him as king and Lord in our life. It's the call. And the second point is this, and it's simple. Seek first. It says, but seek first. Jesus speaking, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. I don't know about you. I love the all these things part. I love that part. I find that part. I love the idea of God as my cosmic one-armed bandit who keeps throwing stuff into my life. It's like all these things, God. Pour it out. I'm ready. Because God is good. And he's faithful in his kind. And yet the gospel 
The Bible, Jesus says actually, seek first his kingdom. Not your kingdom, his kingdom. Don't worry, you let him worry about your kingdom and you seek first his kingdom. When you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all these things will be added. There is a reality to understand is seeking the kingdom of God. Where that is the kingdom of God and it's inside the kingdom of men that we understand as God's lordship is breaking in, ongoing in and through our lives. As you bring and access his kingdom, you're breaking into your marketplace, you're breaking into your family, you're breaking into different environments to see the kingdom of God come. Be it God appointing a man in a job or laying hands on someone at work who is sick. Sending our kids to school or releasing them to sports clubs or whatever. They go in as kingdom carriers. I saw there's a, a LG works at the new Cairo school in our area. Pray for that school. Pray that the kingdom of God would break in there. Pray that God would place more and more people in environments like schools where God can raise up warriors for his kingdom. And our desire before any other kingdom. See, I want to enter into the kingdom of comfort and the kingdom of life and the kingdom of lavishness. Had the privilege of, of, of on holiday going to Clifton Beach for a day and looking at these homes standing. Uh, I, went, I went for a swim. You look back and you just see these homes. You go, wow. Like, wow. There's not much else to say. And I'm going, God, but my heart longs for you. I can chase, but I'll never stop chasing. I want to have a kingdom that can satisfy. See, here's where we get stumped. First, but seek first the kingdom of God. My kids struggle with this. I see it, so I know that I do. Learning more about myself and parenting than I ever have. Judah, go and clean your room. But No, what is it? Judah, you can watch TV, but first, go and clean your room. They don't struggle with the watching TV part. They struggle with the but first. But mom, if I just do it, no, now. You, you can go play on the trampoline, but first... Won't you take your brother and do this? But, and the negotiation starts. I'm not much different. I don't know about you. I struggle with, but first. I really want to please God. I really want to enter his kingdom. And I really want to push into more. But I struggle with the first. It means that God is first in my life. First in my agenda. First in my energies and my passions. As I'm called to extend his kingdom. And a quick note as well. Seek first his kingdom. In your life, bring order and peace in his life and seek first his righteousness. Now there is a righteousness that is imputed to us from Christ and we do nothing for, which is glorious. But there's another kind of righteousness as we seek to live out our life, seeming to make sure that we are right before God and right in this life. Bring order and peace. Which means for some it's tax deadlines. For some it's bringing order and peace into the marketplace. For some it's just bringing order and peace into your living space at home. Bringing order and peace and allowing his holy character to pour upon us. And to come into the brokenness of our lives, we allow him, when we seek his first, say, actually, God, that's really important. It's not just that I'm a provider in my home, it's actually that I'm revealing Jesus. These are important things. He says, seek first. I love this. Charles Spurgeon says this. Your body will soon become food for worms. He's got a way with words, this guy. I mean, it's like, just want to encourage you, church. Who's encouraged? Your body's going to be worms soon. But your soul will outlast the stars. Your body's going to be worms one day. 
but your soul will outlast the stars. When we seek him first, we buy into an eternal story. When we seek him first, his grace and his glory invades in places, ways, and means we cannot fathom. Through an ad on a gum tree, through his grace and people's lives in our story. And he says this amazing thing, all these things, all, not a few of these things, not just some of the things, all these things will be added. Guys, this is the word of God. And again, like I tell us every time, we either believe it or we don't. And when we choose to believe it, we unlock the power of it in our lives. I want the all these things. But Jesus says the all these things lands on the other side of seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. I don't get to change the order. And David knew this and understood this. In verse 37, he wrote, I was young and now I am old. Yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. Carries on, verse 39, says, The salvation of the righteous comes from the Lord. He is their stronghold in time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. My job as a believer is to seek first his kingdom. And I just want to end with one point. Why? Because he first sought us. We worship a God who came with an agenda to seek and save the lost. Who is us? We worship a God who keeps seeking out worshipers who would worship him in spirit and truth. We worship a God who sought out, the, left the 99 to sing out the one, who left and sought out the lost coin, and he keeps going after the lost son. We worship a God who's seeking us as we go on a journey to become like him, and we realize I was designed to seek him. I was made to worship him, and I was made to never stop that journey with every burning passion in my life. Two scriptures, and then we are done. Proverbs 3, verse 6. In everything you do, put God first. And he will direct you and crown your efforts with success. You're struggling for vision in your career. Hit a roadblock in your marriage. Hit a speed bump in relationships and where to next. Actually, the Bible's clear. In everything you do, put God first. Not second, not high up on the list. Maybe in my top five. No, first. It's a challenge. To fall, and then a quote from St. Augustine. To fall in love with God is the greatest romance. To seek Him is the greatest adventure. To find Him, the greatest human achievement. Let's go on an adventure together. And maybe your week is busy and you cannot be here for the fast this week. Fast with us wherever you are, even if you're traveling to Joburg, Derbs, whatever it is. But push into God. We are fasting this week with, we will pray into certain things, but we are pursuing God and we are seeking Him. And we're putting him first, and we're going to spend time worshiping him. If you want to know what goes on when we gather between 6.30 and 7.30 at night, we worship God. Bring your kids. Let them be a part of it. They'll survive. I promise you. They might be a little grumpy in the morning. It happens. But they'll know that their parents believed God. They'll know that their parents went on a faith journey with God. Seek him first. Make the adjustments that are necessary. Can I pray for us this morning? We worship you, King. Lord, I'm challenged by the words of King David. Earnestly, I seek you. My soul longs for you. Flesh cries out for you, God. 
Lord, I know in my own life there have been times where that's been true and there's been times where there hasn't been true. And yet I want to remain in the place of seeking you, longing for you, putting you first in my life. Pray for every person here today, Lord, where there are decisions to be made, where there's repentance to be done, even to change thinking, to turn back to your ways, to repent before you. I pray, God, would you allow and enable, Spirit of God, would you lead in this place a repentance that turns back to you so that we, like King David, can cry out for you. But as men and women step into 2018, this world, and advancing your kingdom, I pray your grace, I pray your peace, I pray your goodness upon each and every one, Lord. I thank you as we've heard the testimony of one job. I ask for 20 more jobs in this room alone this week, Jesus, because you are the God who moves the mountains. And we trust you. We look to you. Be glorified, mighty King. Have all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. Amen.